Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. And we're back. Keep it. It's here. Yep. It's still here. This is sort of an election night feel because the Emmy nominations are rolling in this second. And I'm like scrolling through a feeds, like screaming things at interns to get me coffee as I learned that Catherine O'Hara was nominated. It is the same thing as um, when the boys are waiting for election results to come in. Right. With the yeah. same urgency, <laughs> the same random people crying, walking around the room. Yes. Yeah. And we are joined by Brooke Thomas. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so psyched you're here. I'm glad to be here. You came in, you walked right in the room and I was immediately filled with life. Good. Yeah. I did that. You had a keep it mug too. I was like, <laughs> no one has looked better with a keep it mug. You guys just have to believe me on this. Brooke, me up. you are a journalist at the Young Turks. I am. You've been yeah. on Hysteria. Yes. And now you're on Keep It. Yes. You guys stole me away. We did. I'll take it. We did. Well, I think these Emmy knobs are finally in. So let's get into the biggest news, which is... Schitt's Creek. Oh, yeah. The fans win, I guess. I know. Schitt's Creek got nominated for Best Comedy. Okay. And Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara got acting noms. Which is awesome for one reason specifically. I mean, I love Catherine O'Hara, but obviously we think Julia Louis-Dreyfus is going to win. But in that category, it's just nice to see fresh faces that are competitive with her. Because if it was sort of the same people who are always up against JLD, we'd th- we'd, it would be a foregone conclusion. That she's yeah. But she's up against Christina Applegate. She's up mm-hmm. against Natasha Lyonne. Lots of people who um, are really good at smoking on screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are also people who, like you said, they're not fresh faces, right? They're not like someone nominated for their first year in a sitcom. Like, right. These are people who are, we know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's caliber because they've been in the game as long as her correct so yeah there's a chance that she might not get it because people also rarely get noms for their last seasons on shows right right they usually fall off etc but um i mean it does seem like she's gonna win i mean she beat cancer this year i'm not saying like when you're watching the tv show you think (laughs) you think like well you can tell she beat cancer in this season (laughs) but i I mean just like there's so much goodwill towards her and it's such a legendary performance she's won every other time she's been eligible to be nominated so i mean it'd be weird if she lost right maybe yeah uh were you excited about any emmy noms no you know i'm looking through and not really (laughs) (laughs) have you watched television ever in your life i've watched a ton of these shows (laughs) a ton of these shows so i was looking like outstanding drama i like that um game of thrones is probably not going to win which i like game of thrones but we were talking about it. It's it's competitive. Usually it's a throwaway, I would think, because Game of Thrones has been such a massive hit. And this season, it was like, all right. Well, right. You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who's like, it needs to win this year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I like Pose. Nothing else makes me... It used to be This Is Us first season. I'm crying at the end of every single episode. Mm-hmm. And now it's Pose. Now it's Pose because they're just, episode. just, you know, spoil alert, killing yeah. people and having them dance on their caskets. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> and you know what? I always, always see something on Twitter like, oh, 
everyone's saying they're crying. And so I get to the point to where I think it's going to be. That's the sad point. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, I made it through. Oh, no, it's the part after. <laughs> it's the, oh, it's the ghost. That's the part. <laughs> we need more dramas that bring in Sandra Bernhardt as a no-nonsense doctor. <laughs> OK. Yeah. But this might be the first one to achieve that is sad. I'm, We're behind. I'm, I'm shocked she wasn't on like Nurse Jackie or something. In the 80s, we had Hot Brothers Who Murdered, and I do miss it. Mm, yeah. Love. Uh, and we had it in the 40s, too. That's right. Oh, Leopold and Loeb. Wait, were they brothers? That's way before that. No, they were like friends who maybe hooked up one time. Mm. One had a crush on the other. We can talk uh, about dashing murderers another they time. They weren't brothers. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> True. Cool. True. But lovers, <laughs> maybe. Also, Pose was nominated, and Billy Porter got lead actor in a drama, and no one else from Pose got nominated. Yeah. Which. You know. fascinating. Well, Billy Porter is like a, a peacock the person. I'm glad of he course. was out and doing it and unforgettable, as yes. always. Is there... By the way, I just found the craziest nomination on this list. Are you ready? Yes. Reality show host. Some, some of these are familiar. Got your RuPaul. Got your uh, James Corden for The World's Best. That's not something I've seen. Ellen DeGeneres, Amy Poehler, Nick Offerman, and Marie Kondo. Stop. Guys, really? the woman shows up for three minutes. She does not host anything. She looks at you, smiles, kneels, <laughs> and then she goes, You figure it out. Jeff Probst used to win that. Right. Like, and every then, year. And over then he and got over. sick of winning awards. So what's interesting is it's 2019 and there's 7,000 TV shows on the air. So I honestly could not tell you what I think was snubbed. Sure. Right, because what's on shows. what's on the air? Uh, what what, what am I, I missing? Even, I'm for, I forgot existed. And also, yeah. the categories have expanded so much. I mean, there's one, two, three, four, eight nominees in outstanding comedy alone. Which mm-hmm. imagine needing to watch eight comedies in a year, guys. Laughing is exhausting. The <laughs> amount of nominees, like in actress in a comedy, too. Oh Just yeah, acting nominees. There's so many people. Also, guest actors in a drama. Before we wrap this up, Laverne Cox, I think, makes history as the first trans person nominated for an acting category in drama. And she she was previously nominated in comedy. In comedy, she made history then in 2014. Too. Well, she needs to move on to variety talk show host. We need to get into the uh, well. Orange is the New Black next year might be nominated as <laughs> variety talk <laughs> show because she's been nominated for the same fucking show. Wait, oh. what's she nominated for? She Orange is the New Black, which, which was a comedy in 2014. No, which category? Sorry, um, oh, guest actress in a drama. Got it. Oh yeah. yes, right. I was looking in comedy because of yeah. What you just said. Um, now it's a drama. Which I guess, because there's been prison riots and people dying. Oh, right. No, it, it shifted. And anyway, I think I'm just going to end on saying my biggest snub is Charlie Barnett for Russian Doll. Oh, yeah. Just because he's, so, he's so hot. Okay, well. Okay. He deserves an award. I mean, he's a really good actor, too. <laughs> I'm well, always rooting for Natasha. Something about her is just a genuine so article. Likeable. I just love her. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's well, why I wanted to get into it. We've got a big show today. We're going to talk about Scarlett Johansson and her um, recent comments about pulling out of the movie Rub and Tug. Thought that was over last year, but she's back. Uh, Then we will be joined by Justin Simeon, creator of Dear White People. We're going to talk about the upcoming season three, The Real Housewives of Potomac, uh, Tyler Perry, and Beto O'Rourke announcing that he is descended from slave owners. Then we're going to wrap things up with the drama on the set of Big Little Lies, and I'm not talking about Meryl Streep. 
and her teeth and the wigs. <laughs> so stick with us. This is Keep It. If you recall an episode from last year, we talked about Scarlett Johansson dropping out of the film Rub and Tug. <laughs> right. Where she was supposed to play a trans man, Dante Tex Gill. Remember, she initially pushed back on criticism from the LGBTQ community, which, you know, said that maybe a cis woman shouldn't be playing a trans man in a film. We were out of line. Yes. You know, it was, listen, it was pre-pose. <laughs> okay. What we learned. Um, because now it's all fair. That yeah. Now it's, now it's fair. Now it's, yeah. She was said in response to her critics, tell them that they can be directed to Jeffrey Tambor, Jared Leto, and Felicity Huffman's reps for comments. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> so do they still have reps? <laughs> do <Yeah>. they? <laughs> yeah. Who would have guessed that out of the three of those, Jared Leto would be by far the most noble? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow, 30 seconds to dignity. <laughs> anyway, recently, after we thought that blew over, ScarJo is back. <laughs> and in a recently released interview with As If, which is not a sequel to the Renee Zellweger Netflix drama. Nor is it a magazine spinoff of <laughs> Clueless. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson said, you know, as an actor, I should be allowed to play any person or any tree or any animal because that is my job and the requirements of my job. I feel like it's a trend in my business and it needs to happen for various social reasons. Yet there are times it does get uncomfortable when it affects the art because I feel art should be free of restrictions. And then she later said that her comments were clickbait um, and said that they were widely taken out of context and that she was actually answering a question in a conversation with contemporary artist David Sal, who was asking about the confrontation between political correctness and art. And she said that she feels personally that in an ideal world, any actor should be able to play anybody in any art form. But, of course, there's widespread discrepancy amongst her industry that favors Caucasian, cisgendered actors, and not every actor has been given the same opportunities that she's been privileged to. She wrote a whole statement to say, I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading that like, wait, is there something different in here? Right. It's You did say what you said, girl. Um, <laughs> there, I have to say, though, that this is kind of a w weird opinion to have about this. When celebrities say something like, oh, I was actually talking about this in regards to whatever question was asked. So a lot of the times with these things, you actually don't know what question was asked. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually could be without the proper context for what you said. Mm -hmm. So I initially am uh, occasionally too sympathetic in situations like this. That said, when getting back to the point of in an ideal world, anybody could play anybody. It's just like, who cares? Like, it, it's like when people say things like funny is funny. That doesn't mean everybody should be say saying the same jokes just because right. you think it's funny. You know? Also, in an ideal world, wh where does this world exist? Girl? I know we're not getting there. Right. And honestly, <laughs> in an ideal world, I'm, you, who you play on a movie is the least. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know we're not talking about it. We are, yeah. not we are obviously not talking about an ideal world and neither are you. And you know, you're not. You are still salty because you still believe that you should continue to be given everything. Mm -hmm. Ghost <laughs> okay. in the Shell. Right. This I movie. have a question. Did anybody see Ghost in the Shell? No. I don't even have a sense of it among like 
my friends who watch everything what that movie is. Just based on the reaction to it, I feel like it's her like in a geisha outfit, lip syncing, turning Japanese for two hours. <laughs> It's probably better. I mean, maybe. It very I well could be. Yes. <laughs> I mean, no shade, too. She's talking about the battle between political correctness and art. And I'm like. Who? Her. Scarja, when's, when's the last time you were making a movie for art's sake? I'm going to say. Lucy. Okay. Girl with the pearl earring was quite a Hello. few years ago. <laughs> <Yes>. Scoop. <laughs> it's offensive to be calling, like, people saying, hey, we never get these opportunities. And now you're talking about us more and still refuse to give us these opportunities. I don't know if that should be described as political correctness. That's kind of a to me in general. Right. I don't right. know, because it's it's how we um talk about basic humanity and giving all humans the same civil liberties, and we call that politics. Yeah. I don't know if that works for me. I don't know if I think the the phrase political correctness is corny anyway. Mm-hmm. I also think that in an ideal world, we don't have everyone playing any role, you know? Like I don't think an ideal role is, you know, where I see um you know, a white woman saying they call me Mr. Tibbs, you know. Um, I'd like that, to see them try. I don't know. Yeah. I think that we have more roles for marginalized communities. And I yeah. think that's the ideal world. Yeah. You know, we have people representing um, themselves and their cultures and writers and directors also representing themselves. There's also some implication of like meritocracy is the ideal world, but only when certain people get the opportunities to play certain characters. It's like, well, you're just valuing whiteness again. Anyway, sorry. In an ideal world, these stories don't exist because these human beings that you want to steal roles from, they aren't dying tragically. <laughs> the stories don't even exist in an ideal world. That For, seems like, true. These yeah. stories of people fighting to be considered human, they don't exist because it's an ideal world. I do think they she should be sentenced to play a tree, though. Um, you know what's interesting about Scarlett Johansson is I do feel like in some ways she is like, we just talked about Dallas Buyers Club, Matthew McConaughey and one year and like she's just going to decide to win an Oscar and then we're going to give it to her. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we should be we are going to ramp up to some year in which she's going to give a ton of interviews. And I want to see how many of them she lands because I am worried. Mm -hmm. Listen, I mean, a Scarlett Johansson press tour sounds like a nightmare. Uh, (laughs) And she also mentions in her statement that. You know, I always have um, continued to support diversity in every industry and will continue to fight for projects where everyone is included. And I say to that, I'm going to wait and see. (laughs) Right. Because like what she pulled out of rub and tug, didn't that mean that it wasn't going to be made? Because she was the star being attached to it, right? Right, right. You know, it's like, lend your star power then to the movie still, and just don't play the trans role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that was her trying to get that Oscar, by the way. Right. That is really a shame that that project seemingly went nowhere after that. You're telling me, like, it, it felt to me like it got enough press that they could have done something cool after that and cast somebody appropriate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exhausting when someone you like just turns out to be so awful. Or and miss, yeah. Uh-huh. see you on the street and... In, in you know, not spit on you if you were on fire. This just doesn't. It just doesn't sound good. This Are you talking about Scarlett Johansson or Sue Hawk from Survivor? I'm talking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Scarlett Johansson. This is just kind of gross. I don't know. I liked her. Yeah, I like Black Widow. What movie did I like? I don't know. She was in her Lost in Translation. Yeah, like, Lost in I feel Translation like there was is a, a moment where we all her. used to really rock with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, and then she started talking. Yep. I think the moral of this is celebrities don't talk. Don't 
Don't, don't give interviews. Well, do you know what I think the problem is, too, is I think people underestimate that, generally speaking, most celebrities have gotten smarter. And mm-hmm. so when somebody falls behind, it's like, look, we have people out here who actually do know what to say and who do represent, you know, the, the ideals of Hollywood, et cetera. There Especially are people the who don't say, Yeah, you know what I mean? So when when somebody messes up, it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's not, th- it's not that the younger generation is too woke and these older people can't catch up. It's that a lot of people fucking get it, you mm-hmm. know? And then also can take criticism well, you know? People well, are smart enough to just not say they're the trash parts of their personality to not bring them public. And some people are just so awful yeah. that they hate that those things that they believe are considered awful and they just have to say it. Do you think Patricia Heaton's going around telling people she's a Republican all the time? No, right. She wants that money. <laughs> she hides it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's also the thing that not just that people have gotten smarter, right? It's also the fact that now that we have other actors like a Viola Davis, mm-hmm. you know, um, or um, Octavia Spencer, you know, or like other people who are diverse and not just like the same white actors we've been seeing for years in Hollywood, now that they have roles and they're doing junkets and they're giving interviews, they have better things to say, right, you know, right, because right. they've been experiencing this, you know, and uh, if you're one of the actors who was just sort of coasting by and not ever really having to think about any of that, then of course you're not going to have anything smart to say on the subject. Right, right, right. But um, anyway, so we're not getting rub and tug now? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Sadly. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, if it can't go on with somebody else, I, I don't know what to say. That's Can okay. we keep the movie and not get her? It, it does seem obvious, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we're back, uh, we're joined by Justin Simeon, creator of Dear White People. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis. Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet, starting at $19.99 per month, offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to one gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8th, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. And we're back with Justin Simeon. Yes. Who has returned. She's to returned. Keep it. She's come back. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the way she was treated last time. Oh, anything bad about it, it was all good. <laughs> uh, it was Kara. She threw books at you. She right? did. Mm-hmm. But you read back. these. I came back because you I have a short memory. <laughs> As you all found out. <laughs> Goldfish man, Justin yes. Simeon. Back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Numbers nothing. So I'm really useful as a guest on the show. <laughs> Telling uh, stories. <laughs> last time you were here season two of dear white people was debuting she was coming out and now it's aired mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. and yes now Lord season has. three is coming now there's a third season i know and i've watched season two <gasps> this season one, two or season three I've season two. Oh well i, I hope so well, Shit, it's been a year well, this, this, this weekend <laughs> okay see ira <laughs> All the time. Okay, my favorite thing about this story, though, is what I do remember <laughs> is a DM sometime last year from you going like, oh, my God, the season's really good. So who are you, Ira? <laughs> the first season. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about the second season. Yes. Oh, see, I was glamored the whole way through. Yes. Actually, when I did finish season two this weekend, I realized I watched the first three episodes. You did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You had seen. You had started it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Because I remember we had talked a little bit about it. Yeah. yeah. We were definitely in a golden age of forgetting you watched TV. Oh, my God. It is very hard. So how is that for you your show's on netflix and literally something drops every day on netflix there are 15 netflix shows that i have not finished it has ruined my viewing habits <laughs> because while you're making a netflix series like literally the last thing i want to do is come home and watch like thinking television like this is why i stay in the housewives of potomac so hard is because like when i'm like crank when i <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, Candace? Okay, okay, we, we're gonna get there. Okay, the point Can is though, is oh that my like, goodness. oh my God, I cannot wait. I think it's the best. I think it's like Housewives of Potomac, oh and then like Chernobyl or something. I don't. I've told Lewis, Real Housewives of Chernobyl, yes. a Housewives show. So right. And at this point, I think you need to watch Real Housewives of Potomac. Yes, God. that seems like a daring choice. Oh, no. so it's only in its fourth season. 
And it? the I seasons thought, are. I thought it was older. It's four. It just really woke up. It just woke up last yeah. season. Yeah. yeah. The seasons are yeah. very short. Let me tell you some things that have happened. Okay. Oh, yeah. Shark God. tank it to me. Karen Huger, mm. uh, her husband's charged with tax evasion <laughs> by the IRS. Ooh, what a glamorous old school mm-hmm. problem to have. Yeah. I miss tax evasion. Uh, There's nothing glamorous about it as it unfolds. <laughs> yeah. But that's the best part. Because the thing about the Housewives of Potomac is that it's the best of Atlanta and the best of Beverly Hills, and that Ooh. they're rich and they have real serious rich bitch problems but there's this patina on top of it of just fabulous black people on top mm. of it so they're like Good. a lot so, of them are also broke I was uh, gonna say it's cheaper are they broke <laughs> it's like Some Atlanta but Robin, Robin has no damn money <laughs> Robin because uh, Robin and her money uh, Robin, Robin and her Robin ex me. Juan um, were swindled out of their money by a business partner swindled. after like the first season so she actually went broke and I also feel like whenever because you know everyone has like their side projects on the housewives so like Giselle is like I have a new beauty line in Target it's amazing and they cut to Robin she's like I'm still working on this house I bought like it's always like a little struggle bus for Robin yeah. but I identify with her so much wow like yes. I feel like I'm Robin most of like in life like just like girl I bought this hammer today and everybody else is like like, you know, I just like re- renovated like the W Hotel and made it mine. It's the Yuga Hotel now. And she's like, girl, I got a screw. But they're all, all lying know. because we see it. They're yeah. all yeah. lying. Right. Yeah. One, of the, one of the like sh- most shocking things was, uh, well, so Karen, because the IRS. Sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. She got a house, a very big new house. Uh, and all the women were investigating because they weren't sure she was actually living in it. They oh. thought it was just for show. <laughs> Real quick, though, I just have to say, people's husbands might be gay. Yeah. Great. So, oh, that's yes. Like yes. so to wrap this up for Lewis. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. To wrap, I'm just like, I'm trying to get to the heat. Sorry. To wrap like... this up for Lewis, this season's drama is Ashley Darby, her husband, Michael, who is Australian, and they used to own a restaurant. Down you don't own it anymore? Uh, uh, oh, it closed it just recently. Shut down. Uh-huh. But I wanted yes. to try. I know. We always sort of like, we want to go to that kangaroo <laughs> restaurant. Yes, we do. Uh, but no, but it's closed. Oh. So mm-hmm. a year ago and stuff, there were rumors and leaks that her husband was on Grindr soliciting like men on has sex. Oh, my God. Uh, this almost, is the Australian man? The Australian Because yeah. there's man. no sexual orientation rules in Australia. Yeah. Right. Their sexuality. As we're finding out. <laughs> right. As we're finding out this season. Yeah. Everybody uh, identifies. Identifies as CrossFit there. So oh. the season opens. They're trying to have a baby. Okay. The season opens with uh, apparently while he didn't remember he was mic'd or he was drunk, he said aloud and some other housewives heard it. I would suck his dick. <laughs> Talking about one of their husbands. We don't know who. We don't know who. It was probably one. Definitely one. Yeah. It was absolutely <laughs> one, right? Uh, Definitely also, because also, also, the way Robin denies giving the name of who it is is my favorite. Because we know it's Juan. Definitely. Okay, we know yeah. it's Robin's dude. But she, the way to, I just, I just don't. Out of respect, I can't say it. And it's like, oh, Robin, I love you so much. Uh, so everyone is having fights about this. It finally came out at a dinner party. Um, the woman who hates Ashley, <laughs> like in all the greatest plays, right. yes. the woman who dinner hates party. Ashley attacked her with a knife, mm-hmm. but uh, she did give her a beverage. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and uh, her, yes, her reasoning for why like it was okay is that she gave her a beverage. I invited her into my home. I gave, her I gave a her a beverage. <laughs> uh, the therapist, no. But and then this week there was just a fight. 
Oh. Ashley's like, but they're trying to say he's gay. And Katie's like not paying attention. Oh, is he? No, wait. Katie's response to the whole thing was literally me. It's That's the thing. There's someone that's you in every scene, right? Right, right. And like, yes, this whole blow up happens. Your husband's gay. How dare all this stuff. They're mad at her for some reason. I don't, I never could understand why it's like, like Ashley is a problem. So the problem with Real Housewives shows, unfortunately, is that there's always a husband or someone that they think might be gay. Always. Uh, The storyline has happened on every show. Yes. Uh, And it always veers into this weird Almost homophobic. Almost. It gets no, like real true. quick. Yeah. yeah. But don't corner. you think they are so aware of that? Like the yes. way they're all parsing it is kind yeah. of brilliant on its, it's own. Because it's a storyline. Yeah. So you have to talk about it, but, but it yeah. also gets into, you know, like. I don't care if he's it. sucking penis. I just care that the penis belongs to one of our husbands. And now like, they started the giving this disclaimer. Yes. Now it's okay. Yes. I'm saying it. it's okay. <laughs> but, and I'm like, see, that's when you know you should not say what you're about mm-hmm. to say. But they say it and we're listening and it's so good. Anyway, it's great. <laughs> what I like about Potomac is that like Beverly Hills and like New York and sometimes Atlanta, everyone's aware that they have a job to do. They are playing characters in a soap opera, reality series, mm-hmm. and their job is to get as much camera time as possible and to be as interesting as possible, but also to like deal with their real shit when possible. Right. They get it. They just get the job. They can job. wade into authenticity. Yeah, yes, yes, they get they get the job of being on the show and everyone gets it. Like, I don't feel sorry. There's like housewives where I feel sorry for a couple of cast members. I'm like, they don't know the jokes on them. Oh, like who? Well, I don't know that Luann fully understands where everyone's coming oh from. Oh my God. Right. And for a I'm while, it, that was Dorit too, I think. Yes. She thought the voice thing was a good look. I yeah, literally think Luann is our living Florence Foster Jenkins. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> People show up and like wave a hanky I mean, and they're like, doing, can you believe her? Doing cabarets. Yes. Um, speaking Listen, of screen time, yes. you're playing your role. Um, <laughs> yes, segue. No, I know. I'm segueing into uh, the current drama that we're all living in, oh, which is the what is that 2020 gem race. So we're talking about Beto O'Rourke um, announcing that he was descended from slave owners. Uh, his paternal great 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 grandfather Andrew Cowan Jasper apparently owned two women in the 1850s. Rose and Eliza, and he revealed this personal connection in a medium post where he outlined his new plan to offer black people a significant amount of fundraising in areas where we've been systematically overlooked. Oh, wow. Honestly, what are, what are your thoughts? So I don't have, any, I don't have O'Rourke, any thoughts when white people say racist weird shit. I have yeah. no thoughts. So Beto O'Rourke <laughs> came out with the fact that he is uh, descended, descended from, from slave owners. Yeah. Like, duh. Did right. You know? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That was Surprise. my reaction. Yeah, I know, bitch. That's how it works. He's so attention-seeking. It's so stressful. I thought it very funny. Uh-huh. Some people were like, I don't, it's not that funny. And oh. he was trying to, you know, do a lot of things for the black community in his policies at when he announced it. I'm like, oh, that's people great, wanted but you to you're take pulling it seriously. at one. Okay. So you're not going to be president. Honestly, if he was trying to do a lot of things for the black community, he would be focused on Texas mm-hmm. and doing Honey, what he could do in Texas I'm instead from, of his vanity presidential campaign. Let me tell you some shit. I am from Houston, Texas. I'm from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, those are different places, but yes. Okay. <laughs> Arguably, there's a border between them. <laughs> but it's just that part of the Okay. No, I play. Yeah, but, but when Beto was, running, I am from Wisconsin. <laughs> I. <laughs> but like, um, 
he was great for Texas because like Houston and, and Austin and like there's black people in Texas. There are people who make sense in Texas. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, there are li- not all of them are my family. It's fine. There are liberals <laughs> in Texas. There are progressive people. There's creative people all over. And, and I thought that that's where he was needed. It is. Is needed. Yeah. Is that is to try to win there again because like the pe- like I've never grown up really in a Texas where the the state was like controlled by the people that I actually interface with all the time and every day. And and him possibly, you know, getting a seat there was like really exciting. Like fuck, there's like somebody who makes sense. Mm-hmm. Just makes sense. Doesn't even have to be brilliant. Just you just make basics as sense. Right. Running something in Texas. <laughs> like since Ann Richards we've been waiting. Okay. So, you know, I, I hope that he finds a way back <laughs> at yeah, some point. I think it's over when he doesn't get him. this nomination. Yeah. I just feel like every reason you would like him is covered by in some Venn diagram formation, the people who are ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's that's yeah. part of the problem, right? It's like one, I was like, who isn't descended from slave right. owners if you're white? Um, and if you aren't, you are descended from people who benefited from slavery. Yes, 100%. Right. Uh, right. Three, oh my God. when he was talking about the policies and things, uh, it's like, that's great, you know? But my same thing is with, you know, like... What's the policy going to do if you if you don't get the nomination, yes. boo? It's like there are so many people <laughs> ahead of you at this point, and you're at the bottom of the second tier yeah. of people, and you lost money in fundraising in this recent quarter. Here's so, the problem. As a, it, se- it felt like a stunt. As a professional tryhard, okay? Like, I try <laughs> way too fucking hard. That's his problem, is that it comes off very tryhard. Like, when he spoke Spanish at the debate, it's like he's he wants this, you to see how he's down, and that makes him not down. You know what I mean? Like, he wants to display it so hungrily. But it's okay. It's just not his time. I'm living for Marion Williams and everything she does says. Talk about a white woman who definitely <laughs> wears a turban sometimes. I'm, I'm just into it in general. I want I it to stop. But she, all is, I, she is Haji. Yeah. But, but I, have a, I have a love-hate relationship with Twitter, so I'm on and off it. So when I'm on it, and I've been on it this past week. I don't know what happened. But I've been on it this past week. And so I see the shade thrown at all the candidates. But I haven't really been keeping score like that. I just mm-hmm. know, like, I'm kind of, like, down for whoever can win 2020. Yes, Like, absolutely. literally don't care who that is, except not Biden. Sorry. I don't, I'm not into Biden. That's the one emotion I actually have is that I'm not really for that version it's of the It's his fault. We didn't know. He could have been Uncle Joe forever. And nobody had to know. Nobody had to know. Nobody had to know was what was in. Like, the emperor. He, it's not that the emperor has no, no clothes. Know. It's just that like he's missing like a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Fewer clothes than expected. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. like missing a belt. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's not a full outfit. But child, whatever. Sorry. Where were we going? Uh, so what is <laughs> happening in season three of your show? Some season bullshit. two and you know with. Secret society, uh-huh. secrets unleashed. Uh, you know, Giancarlo Esposito's and whatnot Which joining the narrative. So nice. yeah. Whom I love. One of the great supporting performances in recent years. And him on Breaking Bad. Yes. And he's just who you want him to be in real life. Oh yeah, gracious, thoughtful, kind, generous. Like he is a wonderful human being. <laughs> like truly. And you learn so much just from working with him. So there's more of him this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I air out some of my dirty laundry. Um, a little bit this season. I play a character named Jerry Schuyler. This is my acting debut. Ooh. Oh, wow. Uh, which is, in a lot of ways, 
Because, you know, my career begins with the words, fuck Tyler Perry. Like, that's where my career starts in the mm. Dear White People concept trailer. You and A Strange Loop off Broadway. Oh. You, you hate Tyler Perry? Well, you know, I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually. And he called me up one day, which was odd because I didn't give him my number. <laughs> oh. He has the phone number. Yeah. Period. Oh, yeah. He's like, black person? Got it. Um, and I was like, oh, shit. This, this, this is happening now in my car while I, like, wait outside of a McDonald's for, like, my, you know, extra crispy hash browns. Anyway. I think that's where I was. But the point is that he called and he was like, yo, so do we have beef or not? And I was like, no, Mr. Perry, no! Mr. Perry! Because we were gonna, we were like running into each other at some like event coming up or whatever. And he um, just called to like see what was up. And I was like, here's the thing, okay? When I was brand new, maybe a little bit, maybe I felt that crabs in a barrel and I felt like I had to aim at you to get my ass out the barrel because <laughs> nobody was checking for black shit that wasn't like Tyler Perry in 2013, 2014 when I was trying to make this damn movie. <laughs> and but since I've made the movie and been on the other side of that Q and A line, <laughs> okay, being asked about like why he why she ended up with the white dude and how come Lionel ain't more gay and how come da 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 like I've been on that side of it. I was like I get it, I get it, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry if you ever felt aggression from me because the truth is you're talking to your audience and I'm I'm burying my shame by attacking you because you can speak to an audience that I haven't discovered yet. I haven't found my audience yet because I can't get in the door. So like I had that moment with Tyler and mm -hmm. I wanted to, I, I really wanted to get across that mind fuck of growing up black with heroes that become problematic and antagonists that become heroes and trying to navigate mm -hmm. that shit. You what know? did he say? What's that? What did he say? Oh, gosh. He said, well, I just wanted to call. He was so gracious. Yeah. First of all, funny. I mean, he's like the coolest. He's like a really cool chat, you know? And we just chatted for a little bit. He poured into me. He said some really kind things about my cinema. He, like, you know, offered some advice in a few areas in, in my business. And he said to give one of your characters AIDS. Yes. Oh my no, gosh. he suggested oh, that. Journey Smollett. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you know, but you know what he did say? He was like, you guys are doing things that I'm not doing. Doing. Like you guys are going places in narrative that I'm not going into because, you know, I want to serve a particular audience, but I also want to make black people rich. And I was like, okay, I can fuck with that. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you know what? It sounds like you can do bad all by yourself. Yeah, you know? Um, no, but, but the point, but trying to reconcile that real sort of 2013 me, like fuck everybody mm -hmm. anger, trying to reconcile that. Um, because now, like, now the show is in its third season. It's already established in the minds of people. And the show's brand is attacking the status quo, but we're the status quo now. Like, you know, mm. and so we have to kind of start to turn in on ourselves and go, okay, well, what a, what a, and so I unpack a lot of shit this season. Mm -hmm. I make fun of myself. I make fun of our show. <laughs> oh, <laughs> One of the cool. shows within a show, there's like a very dear white people, black people arguing a jazz moment. But we also like, yeah, we talk about Tyler and we talk about Spike and we talk about like, what do we do with these heroes and these influences when we're trying to actually be something greater and more than the people that came before us in a, in a world that still doesn't get us is worse than ever, just as racist as it always has been. But now, like, the truth of our heroes is starting to come to light. It's starting to be a part of that cultural conversation. What the hell do you do? when the only reason you're even there is because somebody made you feel like you could do it because they had the same skin color as you. And you finally get there, and they're a hot mess. What do you do? <laughs> you know, that's kind of, that's what the kids are struggling with this season. That's what I was struggling with this season, just about personal life. And uh, the just the mindfuck of Tyler Perry going from antagonist to, like, mentor. In my head, I was like, oh, I got to, like, capture that feeling somehow. And I think that that's what we did this season. Yeah. 
Ira. I love that. <laughs> what are you shaking? Where do the eyes I was go? Say, Tyler Perry flick. I was going to say, I feel uh, like. Time to time. Oh. I do too, yeah. I just, oh, I, I mean, look, you ain't got to. <laughs> I've watched Daddy's Little Girl. Did you? I like yeah, I love Gabrielle. But you know what? The thing is, like, Tyler Perry shit is supposed to sit alongside a bunch of other shit, too. And mm. the problem is, is that for a while, white people who were in charge of it just wouldn't let anything else through. Like, that yeah. was the real issue. And, you know, what I said to him was like, look, we may not be of the same audience. We may not be speaking to the same. But the fact is, like, it's not your fault. <laughs> Tyler Perry, that I couldn't get seen. Like, that wasn't right. your fault. And the trick of this industry was to make me think it was your fault and to blame you for it and to mm -hmm. say, fuck you because I can't get on. That was that was not the right way to think about it. And having been on the other side of that from other black filmmakers or from black audiences in general, it was just like, oh, I got this. I, I have to be an end. I have to disrupt this pattern. Right. So I get that because I will I will say that, like, I really do recommend A Strange Loop off Broadway. Mm. Um, Larry Owens is amazing in it. But, yes. you know, a lot. Is it, is it still playing? I think it's still playing. OK. Yes, a lot yeah, it's closing somewhat soon. Also yes. named after a Liz Fair song, which I had guessed yes. that it was it's, confirmed it, to me in that article recently. It mentions, I it, they that. mentioned Liz Fair in the play. Yeah. But what's interesting is that, like, Michael R. Jackson, the writer, he is very focused on Tyler Perry. His main character is focused on, like, hating Tyler Perry. <laughs> and I think that there's a moment where, you know, some ancestors come and they tell him, you know, like, Tyler Perry is giving black people good jobs, et cetera. You know, you need to focus on that. Wait, but the ancestors it, are in the movie? The ancestors show I mean, up in the, the play? play. Oh, yeah, God, yes. I already love uh, it. Harry Tubman. <laughs> oh, my God, I want uh, this play right Whitney. now. Whitney. Take me to New York. <laughs> Brendan, take uh, me to New York. <laughs> but what's great is... Um, that conversation because yeah. it sort of brings up the fact that you know like he is giving black people jobs but i was saying that feeling of we were forced to think that you know it's either him or us yes is, i was revisiting that because like the the hardest part about stage plays right um is the audience yeah because the broadway audience is always going to be largely white you right. know so you're making tyler perry jokes and it's white people laughing at them right and it's sort of like it's uncomfortable a right. bit sitting in that audience right. and watching it and i guess it's somewhat different because for a tv show you can just watch it as a black person right you yeah. can talk with black people online you can watch it with, with whoever you want yes yeah. mm -hmm. um you're not if white people are watching Dear White People, you're not necessarily always getting their reactions the way that you would get, like, if you're going to see Jeremy O'Harris' slave play on Broadway. Oh, my you God. Know? You're going to be sitting there with white Broadway, Broadway audiences, right. though, you know, mm -hmm. and that's going to be hard. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, we have an different benefit yeah. of being able to. But you know what it is, too? What I also thought about it is, like. The attack of Tyler Perry is an attack on us mm -hmm. because our family members love that shit. Yeah. Am I family members? <laughs> well, I love it. Yeah. Well, I you love, love it. it. People love it. I love it in all levels. The yeah. plays, the movies. I love those shows on OWN. Yeah. Love it. And it's like, who am I to fucking tell other black people where they can't see themselves? Who am I to like get on my high horse? Because the truth of the matter, we all can't. Here, I'm about to do it now. Yeah, I'm sorry. Because at the crib, you know, I watch documentaries and old shit and Potomac. That's all I watch. I don't watch any middle ground stuff. Like, I don't know why. But I've been watching... Um, I've been watching a lot of black people documentaries recently. And one of the one, one of the things I'm real it's all minstrelsy. Like we are in this country and we have these opportunities because of minstrelsy, which is fucked up. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that's just it is what it is, though. All of our traditions came out of minstrelsy. Everything mm -hmm. from jazz to hip hop has a, a link to this tradition. Tessa Thompson's character in season two. Hey, your show, you there know, you go. Absolutely. Like a Owens. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And and that is a thing that is hard for a black artist to acknowledge. But I think we have to acknowledge that, like, we are someplace because of this great tradition and the tradition cut both ways. It was fucked up for black people, but it also was like the only thing black people had. So we used it and made something amazing out of it and created characters and you get Ethel Waters out of it. I mean, like literally like we use that as kind of like a little doorway to get into the culture and to deny people and black people loved minstrel shows back in the day. Like there were minstrel shows for black people. There were minstrel shows for white people, white people playing black people, black people playing white people. Play. It was very complicated. Victor Victoria. Vic- yes. <laughs> yes. But with race and yes. shame. And uh, and but the thing, the, the, the like gag of it all is Victor Vivica Fox. Yeah. Vic- oh, <laughs> my God. God. Your lips to God's ears. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> OK, speak, can we just pause really quick? Because I want something to happen. Loretta Devine. Jennifer Lewis. Already there. Shirley Ralph. Oof. Golden Girls reboot. Oh my mm. God. Can we make it happen? Can with, we collectively? With, with Betty? You need a fourth. Betty, Betty, I think, is the landlord. Okay. I think it's her ah, house. Ah, yes. I think that. So there have been pitches for the. What other... about designing women? Okay. I'm just going to talk about what I okay, know. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend loves designing women. I don't get it. Point is, is that um, Golden Girls. I don't know who I plays. Don't get it. I don't it's know. It's just who... a Tennessee Williams sitcom. Uh huh. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. With, 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 without, you know, um, someone teni- having an <laughs> ailing disease. That's what designing women is. <laughs> yeah. Right. It is. Oh my God. That's brilliant. Okay. So, uh, but like, I don't know who plays like Sophia. It could be like a Cicely Tyson. It could be like a Marla Gibbs. It could be like a Jackie. It could be uh-huh. somebody like that. And this is not all my original idea, by the way. We saw Jackie's back was uh, Jennifer Lewis at a screening of it, and all three of them were there and cutting up. And uh, people started talking about it, and I was talking about it too. And I saw it on Twitter. I was like, Oh my god! Like this is, could be a fucking thing, guys. Let's do it. That. So I just want to make it a thing. I don't remember where we where I came from with this tangent. But by know. the way, we have, we, have the, we have the live All in the Family and the live Jeffersons. I mean, like, I feel like live Golden Girls. Right? Backdoor piloted. I, I'm, th- I'm seeing it. Here for it. Yeah. Executive produced by me. I'm just kidding. I don't, know. I don't want anything to do with it. I You're want busy. other people to make it. I want other people to make it so I can enjoy it. Your second um, question is bothering me. I really think there should be an it. answer to this that's coming to me right now. It's I wish I had it. it. Like, Cicely Tyson is sort of in the area, but that's not yes. it. But Marla, Gibbs, Marla Gibbs, no? Yeah. Marla Gibbs, sure. Marla yeah. Gibbs. She would yeah. kill mm-hmm. that. You want, like, brilliant, brilliant, like, comedic timing and great writing. That's all you need for Golden Girls. And, like, they're all the right age. They're all the right set. Like, it would be amazing. Well, let's hire Tyler. Let's do we it. We ain't got beef anymore. We ain't got beef. We never had beef, by the way. <laughs> but I just you know, love the idea of my phone ringing, t- oh, not knowing who's calling, not knowing, minding my Perry. business. Hey, this is Tyler Perry. There we was some beef. There was a moment I had to hit mute. There was a moment I had to hit mute for the biscuit sandwich to come because I didn't want them to know. Thank you, McDonald. Yeah, I didn't want them to know. But I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, it was like a moment that I wanted to have with him though because I wanted him to know where my heart was. And and this idea of Sam, Sam who like hates Tyler Perry in the world of dear white people, mm-hmm. meeting Tyler Perry on campus and like ha- duking that out. I just I had this like fan, this like fan fiction fantasy of that, and I got to I got to do it. As Jerry Schuyler, this sort of character that comes to campus to uh, teach black film, but that Sam does not respect. Uh (laughs) And the two of them like going at it over the images on screen while Sam other things going down. So um, but that was like the nexus like that was like that that story idea 
and using that to kind of navigate how complicated this shit is once you've announced your arrival, you know? Like, I think all of us are going through this. Like, the Black Lives, all of the movements are now entering their, like, their next phase. Like, we're all kind of having to mature and take it from, like, that initial burst of outrage and turn it into something. And, but that's not an obvious thing to do. It's really hard. It's difficult. And so I wanted to give the kids that kind of a struggle this season. Great. Well, tell us when season three drops. August motherfucking second all right it's gonna be the blackest day ever because what's gonna happen on august 2nd is you're gonna get all the episodes of dear white people then you're gonna get robin Thede's black lady sketch show on oh HBO. which looks amazing with just, our friend right ray sunny yeah just literally like just take the day off like just light some candles okay play shot at, just give your <laughs> let the ancestors pour into you on that day <laughs> you go, what shot song are you playing oh god hang on to your love me Oh, wow. <laughs> Smooth operator. No, 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 no. Smooth operator. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating thick cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. <sighs> it's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook Cheddar, extraordinary dairy. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's drama on the set of Big Little Lies. Can you imagine? I know, right? <laughs> Nicolette Sheridan showed up and was slapping everybody. You know, you know <laughs> that what, would be so great. You know who I just thought of who I would like to join season three? I think this is the correct answer. Vanessa Williams. Mm. I think she would contend well. <laughs> There's a new housewife in town. Like, just, yeah, right. Oh, she's just yeah. joining. She's just joining soap operas with uh, predominantly white women. <laughs> right. It's yeah. a, it's a multiverse now. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I don't want Big Little Lies season three, by the way. I was just uh, going to say. I, uh, <laughs> Please keep that far away from TV. Okay. Uh, anyway, rumors are surfaced now that the current season two director, Andrea Arnold, um, she, who directed Wuthering Heights, American Honey, which I loved, mm-hmm. was basically hired to direct season two for show. Uh, she directed season two because um, John Mark Valet couldn't commit to the project because um, it conflicted with him doing sharp objects. Uh, so Andrea directed the show, apparently. And then John Mark Valet came back at the end and edited the show himself and even did some new shooting. 
That is very crazy. Well, what's weird is like, so when I think of Andrea Arnold, I mean, American Honey is a very distinct directorial experience. Like to hand, to give the show to her is a gigantic move and a bold move. Mm-hmm. When you watch season two, the feel of the show is the exact same as season one. So if in fact her like footprint is on this show in some way, like I can't really guess what that is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, it, this IndieWire article, it does feel accurate to me and that I feel like I am just seeing more of him of mm-hmm. yeah yeah so, well he also ordered 17 additional days of photography as well so even if there weren't shots um that they could salvage from her to make it look like him they went in and shot footage that looks like what he did last year as well mm-hmm. so essentially she was a hired gun um and the show does look like him you know it it doesn't look anything like what you would expect from Andrea Arnold having seen her films. And it's a shame, too, because I felt like last year they really sort of were promoting the idea that she was going to be the director. I thought season two was going to have a completely different look and feel. So they made this huge deal out of hiring a woman only mm-hmm. to erase her in favor of the style of a man. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly it. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Great job, guys. And we'll also, and it, it appears there is some editing trauma with the show because there's weird episodes that are short. There's, it just doesn't seem to be as meaty as the previous year. The, and it feels like something yeah. that is patchworked together a little bit more so than before. There are a lot of flashbacks this season. Yeah. Too. Like, how many times do we need to see Perry being shoved down the stairs? Right, right. And at the beginning of every episode, too. It's also worth noting we had Adam Scott here last week, mm. and we adore him. I assume this has nothing to do with him. But of course... Before every, it broke. Yes, right. <laughs> well, exactly. He got rid of Andrew Arnold himself. Oh, you think so? Oh, right. That's, a- that's Adam his Scott turn. Adam Scott was up to it. Yeah. Andrew Arnold's the one who unfollowed him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this is like a weird, disturbing story. I saw, uh, I wish I could remember this Jezebel writer's name, but I saw a tweet saying the idea of um, women-controlled stories is often just an artificial feeling. Like you don't mm-hmm. know how much they're actually contributing to a vision or if the the, the men se- secretly in charge are valuing that vision or whatever. Right, because this show is John Mark Valet's look and feel, mm-hmm. right? And David E. Kelly is the writer. Mm-hmm. So... Who are the women behind the scenes right. besides like Reese and Laura Dern and Nicole Kidman, you know, et cetera. You know, they're not. A soupçon of Leanne Moriarty. Right. Yes. You know, um, and so it really is just sort of this idea that so many shows like this, soaps like this, because it's a soap. Yeah. It's David E. Kelly who's writing it. And it's, it's a soap. And this season feels very David E. Kelly. Um, it's we keep getting these shows and they're mostly created by men, you know, and it's. I just thought that we would have something different this season. And it really is returning to a lot of season ones, you know, like greatest hits. I thought you know? it was going to be good this season. <laughs> it does feel a lot like not much has happened. Or like it's it's all very foreboding. Like it, it all better come out in this episode. All of these storylines better like amp up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but um, yeah, I, now I don't know if they can possibly move towards a season three based on this fallout. I'm just watching because I really like all the characters. I know. And the performances coming. Right. And so I, I like that and I do, but I do, I watch euphoria every Sunday and then I'm like, Oh, I guess I do have this other show there. Let me just, and it's, I don't know, but I really like the characters, but the first couple episodes is that's not what I expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does remind me of, again, desperate housewives, you know, like season two was notoriously, messy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alfred Woodard joined 
and she was uh, keeping her son hostage in a basement, basement chained room. up. Um, is that is that worse than um, Bonnie's mom showing up and being a witch? Right. An abusive, <laughs> an abusive witch? Also, right, she... the way this storyline is concluding with her, I mean, she's obviously going to come out. Of, she came out of that coma or whatever, mm-hmm. not to spoil anything, but how on earth are they going to tie that up in some reasonable way? My The only thing that's coming to mind, speaking of Nicole Kidman, is you ever seen the movie Birth, where mm. it's a movie that seems paranormal, and then there's a logical explanation for what occurs that actually plunks it even deeper into real life? Mm. I hope they find out, they figure out something like that. Yeah. You know, so that it's not just and and voodoo is, you know, <laughs> the fifth girl. <laughs> <laughs> Big little spells. <laughs> that would sell in the room. You could do that. You know, and there's also been this idea that, listen, television is not a director's medium, right? Uh, I would not have been shocked to see the show looking exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you hire a director for a television show, um, they're supposed to, you know, fit the mold of what the pilot looked like. You know, it's supposed to be uniform. Yeah. You know, they're there to shoot the show and keep it moving. But yes, there was very much this idea that we were supposed to get something different right. for season two. Um, and I think we've seen story-wise, beat-wise, look-wise, it's been the same as season one. So it just really feels sort of like Andrea Arnold's name was used for promo mm-hmm. and clout and now we don't get any of her. And it's sad. Yeah. And it makes sense, too, because, you know, like, where where has she been? She hasn't been getting any interviews. I was just thinking, where's the soundbite? I want to hear it. Yeah. It's like sources close to her said that she is devastated um, by the experience of having Valet take over the show, according to Vulture. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we did get six straight episodes of Zoe Kravitz looking like she had the worst migraine ever, which I guess I'm, I value. Zoe Kravitz, <laughs> I, yeah, I just I find myself staring. Oh, yeah. And then I'm zoning out. I don't know what what happened. There's a lot of silence anyway, so it's fine. Well, also, then you wake up when Laura Dern screams every episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Laura. I she, love her. I, 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 I think she deserves the Emmy over Meryl. I, for me, because they're going to compete. Year? Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. great. Reese is weirdly moved in the supporting this year. Is she? she I, I, oh, well, my No, I feel like in the sense oh, that true, true, true. she's not driving the story like she mm-hmm. was last year. And yeah, her storyline feels like a B story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Uh, uh, Just about them, the performances are really great. Oh no, they're yeah. so addictive. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, again, I would, I mean, I would compare it to Sharp Objects. I don't know if I love the narrative of Sharp Objects, but like you can really meditate in the like um, the severity of of those performances and in the serenity of these surroundings. I severity, serenity. The one thing HBO managed to do, right? You know, it's like if this is a David E. Kelly show, it's basically a primetime soap opera. Mm-hmm. Um, Actresses of this caliber and like a Meryl Streep would never have signed on to do like Didacy or like a Desperate Housewives or even like The Practice, right? Mm -hmm. On network TV, but because it's HBO, you can tell that same story. But when you put like, you know, art house directing and like crashing waves and like music over it, it seems like it's more elevated than other TV shows that they would maybe ignore. Totally. No, I mean, you're right. This is this is sort of a show that is um, vamped uh, yeah. I- into something greater than it probably would be. How to get away with murder, right? That right. Viola's doing amazingly, and it's fun to watch. 
But that show is what it is, right? You know, like if it were on HBO or something, they would try and dress it up to make it seem like it's cinematic, not um, just a soapy legal procedural serial. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Wow. Um, Season three. Who are they going to hire to direct? Yeah, and new cast? Fire. I have no idea. Yeah. No. I know, but I want the cast. New, yeah. new cast for Big Little Lies season three, and then once it's done, John Mark Valet will have all the actresses come back and just reshoot the scenes. Right. <laughs> oh my God, what if Big Little Lies season three was the way they interviewed the townspeople in the first season, except it's just the cast, ma- it's just the crew of Big Little Lies talking about their experience <laughs> and what happened to Andrea Arnold. Great. Okay. <laughs> He pushed her. (laughs) (laughs) When we're back, keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It. Lewis, your jaw is a gate. (laughs) It's a jar. It's I just have an underbite. It's unintentional. Uh, my keep it this week is um, as basic as they come. It's to that face app, old man, old face <laughs> filter. Guys, I, I want you to have your fun. I want you to enjoy the telephones that you own. I want you to share fun things with your friends. I also want those fun things to stay with your friends. My entire Twitter timeline, my entire instant timeline is filled with just gross out Rick Baker looking photos of you at age 175. I'm not saying, I don't think it's ageist to say you look so gross. It disturbs the Zen of my timeline, which is filled with, you know, things we all love, such as very symmetrical nipples of good looking men, uh, uh, the occasional food item that I will enjoy uh, uh, Glenn Close with blueberries in her eyes. Did we all see that picture? We no, saw, I, I saw that. that. Yeah, looking like she was um, in the balcony <laughs> in uh, Sesame Street. Yeah, no, what she looked like was a Wallace and Gromit kind of cartoon. <laughs> you have to see this picture of Glenn Close. I do now, okay. Yeah. She, she kind of slays Instagram for me, but she the point does. is... The point is that people don't know how to use Instagram feed versus stories, right? If yes. you're using the it's old man story, filter, yes. put it in your story. Yes. Right. I don't yes. need to see it in my timeline. Right. Especially since people rarely have like a good caption to go with. You need to give me actual content. I I'm here for the wit. Terrible at captions. Oh my God. I'm but I'm all, but very you're much you. team, you're so funny. Like post your pick and go. So I'm not, I can't give you a Bible verse. This is just really, this is just a selfie. So I'm just gonna give you a little smiley face because I just want you to focus. Yeah. Mm. You know? All of my photos go with <laughs> Psalms 23. <laughs> It's always like a booty pick and a Bible verse. It's like, ma'am. So I'm just saying, control your content. Don't post a picture of yourself looking like one of the zombies from the thriller video. I just don't. Not not only do I not want to see it. Think about who wants to see it ultimately. Is it anybody? If the answer is no, consider not doing it. Speaking of people not wanting to see things on Instagram, uh, you were at San Diego Pride this weekend. Uh Uh-huh. And oh, so what? you missed the crooked summer party. Oh, I know. And Which second year in a row. I, I'm I'm going to say that one of the hosts of Pod Save America said that uh, it is very jarring to scroll through their Instagram feed and all of a sudden Lewis is naked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look, we all have a great time at San Diego Pride. What are you supposed to do in San Diego? Be clothed? It's like a skateboarding resort. You have to find something fun to do. Are you in San Diego every weekend? Are you naked every weekend? I better not be. No, Uh, I'll check check her Instagram, okay? I can't deal. I love it. Girl, it's like the the emperor has no clothes. Girl, until the age 29, I had the body of a tapeworm, okay? Some of us gained a little pride. Allow it. I feel you. Thank you. Okay. All right. right. Brooke, what is your keep it? (laughs) My keep it is uh, stop asking Serena Williams stupid questions in those post-game press conferences. Like over the weekend, everyone was talking about uh, she was asked if she should stop focusing on equality and activism and focus on tennis. Who asks? What? what? Billie Jean King. (laughs) You know what? Right. So really just leave her alone. It should just be not even just press conferences. Leave Serena alone. Does she not do enough for us? There was also, I don't, I still, I read Billie Jean King's exact quote. I still don't know what she was saying. She kind of clarified that she wasn't saying she didn't want her to stop focusing on activism. She was just saying she has a lot of stuff, but the stuff she named was activism, her child, her business. So I was confused. What? I've just, I watched a movie about Billie Jean King's activism. What? I know. Billie Jean's just mad that they weren't sticking lesbians on Wheaties boxes in like 1973. I don't know. It was, I mean, me too. Leave her alone. (laughs) Same. People are awful to Serena. Who gets asked that? You would never ask that to anyone else. You know, what's interesting is I always, I'm always so thankful for athletes who can give smart, interesting responses to questions just period, because You know, what is there to say? You know, the sport presents itself. You won, you lost, whatever. But actually, what I need to be more impressed with is journalists who ask interesting questions of these athletes because you need to set them up. Like, the part of the job of being an interviewer is, you know, giving these great people who do a lot for us, you know, reason to say something cool. You know, there was one where um, someone said, Hey, Serena, congratulations on the win, but it was a little scrappy, huh? And she was like, that wasn't nice. You should apologize. <laughs> the, the worst member of the the Dew family, Scrappy, as well. I mean. Oh, please. <laughs> the height alone. <laughs> the constant yapping. And yet no one-liners. Um, it's just gums flapping. I also think part of that problem is that Serena sort of is the only one doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, tennis isn't really a sport with a lot of black people. Yes. Um, or, uh, you know, non-straight people as well who are very visible. So there aren't that many people who can really make sort of political statements all the time while they're playing tennis, you know, yeah. as opposed to basketball or football. You know, it's like they are constantly making political statements. I mean, and people don't like the football players do it either. <laughs> but you expect it more because here's a bunch of black men playing, you know, mm-hmm. or like the WNBA or even the women's soccer team, you know, like they're making comments about LGBTQ rights in America and equal pay, you know, and it's um, Serena really is just out there and so loud because just who else is doing it? Right. You say Andy Mur- Murray pipes up every once in a while, but you're right. He's yeah. sort of like, should it be me? Okay, I guess it's me. It's really cool <laughs> because like the young black women who are coming up and, and some of them are still girls and like Coco who beat Venus mm-hmm. and you know Serena, they, they're they only playing because of Serena and Venus. And mm-hmm. I think that's so cool that we're to that point now. Yeah. And Serena and Venus are still playing. I just, sometimes still I just, I, I know this is like so elementary, but sometimes I just think about, 
I bought my first CD when I was 12 and it was Natalie Imbruglia's Left of the Middle. And I specifically remember listening to that and watching Venus Williams play. She is still playing. It's okay. so crazy. I was wondering how we were going to get to <laughs> Tenet from, from Torn. Watch me. But you did, you did it. You did no, it. I, I, I trusted me. Six Degrees of Lewis. You know, we, you can always go from some white woman's CD <laughs> to the topic at hand. I love that. I love that. That's, that's the promise. I was, the second, promise. I was like, wait, so what are we doing with this? Yeah. Yeah, we're, Not we're, much. Where, where are we going? It came back around. You did it. Yeah. Did you know Torn's a cover? I, I, yes. I. When the internet found that out, I was so disappointed in the internet. Edna yeah. Swap, 1993. Hello. Well, the internet likes to discover things yeah. years later. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my keep it this week is to the internet. Okay. For but why? For, <laughs> for why? That's funny. Uh, so... Apparently, there's a lot of drama happening at Area 51. Oh, Oh. one of the more popular areas. Yeah. Listen, I love aliens, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I had no idea that Area 51 was trending because there was a Facebook group of people who wanted to storm Area 51. Correct. In September to get the secrets, to get... If you run really fast at Area 51, they have no choice but to give you the secrets. (laughs) To to find Dana Scully? I don't know. So there were so many alien memes happening on the internet, and it was a lot of nonsense. Mm -hmm. Because I thought that something was actually fucking happening at Area 51. I thought that Trump had accidentally revealed something. I thought that there was actually an attack there. Um, I thought that... There was something going on that had anything to do with reality and not just a group of crazy people wanting to storm Area 51. And you had that reaction like when, whatever, Betty White is trending. And yes, people are like, yes. I thought she was dead. I made a joke about how I hate when people do that. And then Padma Lakshmi unfollowed me because I think she had just done that and I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Padma, come back. I'm such a nice person. Oh. No. Padma unfollowed you? I'm, I think about it constantly. I talked about it with Adam Scott last week. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And yeah. somebody unfollowed him, too. He really commiserated well. Oh. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but do we I love even... that you noticed. Uh, right. I know. Thank, no, good, good observation, Brooke. But yeah. <laughs> do we think Padma is running that account? Yes. Yes. Does she, does she tweet every tweet, though? Yes. What do you mean? I mean, I feel like some of the tweets are very, like, they're workshopped. In the way that, like, Madonna every once in a while will have perfect punctuation. It's like, oh, Warner Brothers. Like, no, in the way that, like, like, a, a Bette Midler, intern. you know, or like, you know, like, sometimes they seem like a writer's room joke. Oh, uh, but she's interested enough in comedy that I would be surprised if she didn't. True. Write. Yes. Well, maybe we'll get Padma on the show and confront her about unfollowing you. Right. What if I just burst into tears in front of her? Or maybe she'll never come on now because she, because of you. You shamed her, and she's <laughs> right. Dead. And now it's yeah. now it's out there. My actual keep it is to Louis Vertel keeping Padma from coming on. <laughs> no, keep I think it. she can forgive you. She's forgiven for the whole Top Chef episode on the plantation. She can forgive. This, oh okay? wow! Completely forgot about that. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so what were we talking about? I don't I mean, know. What was my keep, keep it? it? Area Fifty One. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Weekly World News. I miss when aliens were just fully on display at the checkout whenever you went. Yes, yes. Or like a National Enquirer, it would be like Betty White 
kidnapped by aliens. Right. No, or whoever is popular at the time. Yeah. Well, LA Law's Jill Eichenberry. Well, she's she's abducted. been popular since like the twenties. Right. So yes. I think Betty White's been on National Enquirer every decade. Probably. Oh, I want to check out that stat. <laughs> she is she is literally older than sliced bread. Not that's that's true. Is she? Yes. She's born, I think, um uh, nineteen twenty Two. Oh my gosh, that's a year after my grandma was born. Yeah, and uh, sliced bread is later in the 20s. Oh my god. The Romans weren't slicing bread? That's Isn't that crazy? Oh, did you know Julius Caesar's nickname was bread, though? So, technically, they were slicing bread. What the fuck is that? Get it? Because they stabbed him. And that had to do with bread? Oh, that was, it was dark. Just a joke. Oh, we need to get you to an yeah, improv class. That was okay. dark. <laughs> well, you're supposed to yes and, Lewis. I know and what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also acceptable in this case, I believe. Uh, well, anyway, the federal government is has warned people not to storm Area 51 because they will be ready. So maybe in September we will talk about a bunch of dead people at Area 51. That'll be fun. Oh, all right. What is, what is wrong with people? Uh, that's yeah. our show. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Keep It is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thanks to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadine Melkonian, for filming and editing our video content every week. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.